1: Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man Podcast, powered by the Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm with my co-host Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine and follow us on YouTube, the Seahawks Man to Man YouTube channel. I guess it's subscribe, not follow, but you guys know what I mean. Uh Chris, talk to him. What is up everybody? It's your boy Christopher
2: Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at ckidd 206 and that's CKid206. All
1: right, we are bring we are coming to you right after the 2022. NFL draft. The Seahawks got their nine picks. Um, should we rattle them off, Chris? You got a list in front of you. Actually, let me yeah, see. might as
2: well. So round number Four one. Oh, go me ahead. See if I
1: can remember them off the top of my head. Oh, so I don't have. I don't have a list uh, in front of me. All right, so I'm gonna try to get the pick numbers right too. Oh boy, uh, here we go. Let me see if I can do it. Um, Charles Cross, left tackle out of Mississippi State, number nine overall. Boy Mafe, edge rusher out of Minnesota, fortieth. Overall running back Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, 41st overall. Abe Lucas, right tackle from Washington State. Go Kooks, yeah, go Kooks. Uh, number 72 overall Kobe Bryant, cornerback from Cincinnati, pick 109. Uh, let's see, Tariq Woolen, cornerback from UTSA, pick 153. Tyreek Smith, edge from Ohio State, pick 158. Uh, ISB seventh round now. Uh, Bo Melton, receiver from Rutgers, pick 229. And Derek Young, receiver from Lenore Ryan, which is in Lenore Ryan, North Carolina, I learned. Uh, pick 233. And Mike,
2: you have successfully got a hundred percent on your
1: there we go who was
2: drafted quiz <laughs>
1: there there we go and i really don't have a list in front of me i know uh, people on people watching on youtube can tell but like you know people who listen and can't tell i really don't i, I was off the off the top of my head so there we go that's a chris that's a good list that's like, a solid I like list. list
2: i think everyone after the draft hell, during watching the draft i think everyone was liking how it was unfolding It wasn't as we had Danny Kelly on about a month ago doing the draft preview. It wasn't a let's get cute and show that we are smarter than anybody in the room. We're going to take this guy you've never heard of, but on tape, we like what he can do, and we feel that he will fit well with moving forward offensively or defensively, what we plan to do as a Seahawks organization. And for the most part, they just took the guys that were available and best. That is what you wanted to see. And I think for the first time since you've been covering the team, Mike, they did that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's been such a, it's been so obvious that there's been at least one, who the hell is that pick from these guys that even, um, you know, Greg Bell, Tacoma News Tribune, like he even kind of mentioned it to Pete. He was like, here, and I'll read you exactly what he he said to Pete, because I wrote it down, I used it in my story, because I thought it was just like such a good illustration. Greg was like, Pete, you know, there didn't seem to be an outlier at the pick where we're all going, what was that for? Or where'd he come from? And then Pete was like, "What are you trying to say, Greg?" And you know, <laughs> we all kind of laughed. But you know, and Greg was like, "No, for real. Like, you had needs and you filled them. Like that was, you know, he was telling the coach that. Now he also said, Greg was also like, you know, Pete. I know you know the job better than I do, but Greg was right. It was like it was. It's been very clear to all of us, and not just people in Seattle. People who uh, cover the draft as a as a whole, they they never really know what Seattle's going to do because you think." all these certain picks, all these certain guys make sense for Seattle. And then they take someone else and you're like, who the hell is that? Like where did yeah. that come from? Or I, or I had a third round grade on them. You know what I mean? People I've talked to since, you know, over the years, since I've been on the beat, who've been like, yeah, I had a third round grade on Rashad Penny, or I had a fourth round grade on such and such, or I had a third round grade at LJ Collier and just, it just never felt like they did what made the most sense and I think One way to one way to like quantify it Is the consensus big board I'm pretty Sure I've been talking about it every year now is that Arif Hassan at the athletic puts Together um, it's it Combines analysis from 70 different You know analysts draft Experts and, and big boards so it's, it's really Comprehensive like I cite it a lot and people Who read the athletic know that and I think It's like it's very rare that you're going to find something That compiles so many different like Opinions because everyone can say this guy's a reach This guy fell this guy slid this is a steal, quote-unquote. You never really can quantify that stuff, but the big board at least gives us an idea, right? So I'll give you an example of how, like, sensical that, like, their their picks were in this draft. Seattle's picks, I mean. So I'll go by the big board versus where guys were picked, all right? So look at this. Charles Cross, ninth pick. Where was he at on the big board? Number nine. Boom. Uh, Boy Mafé was 40th. Where was he at on the big board? Thirty-four uh kenneth walker 40th on the big board taking 41 you know like this is all just adding up abe lucas number 75 on the big board 72 overall pick like just kept going kobe bryant was actually 89th on the big board he got taken with 109 like that's actually probably their best steal quote-unquote of the draft though there's probably not a big difference between the guy taken at the end of the third and the top of the fourth about the same uh, type of guy but either way Another one by Seattle that just like made sense. Tariq Woolen was 65 on the big board and was at pick 153. So actually, that's probably their biggest steal uh, there. That's actually a huge, huge jump. Uh, pick 158 was Tariq Smith or Tyreek Smith. He was 142 on yeah. the big board. So 16 spots later. And then Bo Melton, I think, was pick 229. And he was 161 on the big board. And then I don't think Dariq Young was on the. On the big board, though, at like pick once you get in like the late, the mid 200s of the picks, you're just kind of throwing throwing darts. So, I don't really yeah. kind of is what it is there. Uh, but like overall, Chris, like eight out of nine of those picks are either taken right at where they were on the big board or even like where you could count them as a steal. I don't mm-hmm. think we've ever seen a seahawk draft like that since me and you've been doing this. And this is our, I mean, drafts we done done now. We did 2017 draft
2: four, no, I haven't
1: 20, so 2017, 2018. 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. So this is our sixth draft.
2: Ooh, that's why I'm not good at math.
1: Yeah, this is our sixth <laughs> draft doing this. And I can confidently say I've never come away from a draft. I may have liked some of their picks, um, but I've never come away thinking, wow, that their draft made a lot of sense. Yeah. You know that, like That shows you how bad they've been in the past, though, where like, my first take is their draft made sense. Like It should make <laughs> sense every year.
2: <laughs> take who's best available and don't try to Outsmart everyone, just go down the board, who you like, and take them. Don't overexercise the opinion of, yeah, I think we could find this guy who struggled last season, but we think he's our guy. Just those type of Pete and John-isms that they've used over the past five years because this year they got it right, and that that's good to see. Now it's really about what these athletes do on the field because they were drafted because of their ability to play the game And they felt that based on the board... Can you still hear me? Yeah. And nothing. you don't hear that loud ass... Oh, it's getting louder. You hear it, no?
1: I don't hear anything.
2: Oh, okay, good. Because I'm hearing everything. This is is like
1: the movie Bird Box, but for like hearing. I don't hear (laughs) hear nothing, bro. It's just you.
2: (laughs) Well, you know what? Perfect. Back to my point. They went off the board, who they liked, and it matched up with experts. And that's what you wanted to see. They didn't go out and take... And the fourth round, or the first round, or some fourth round guy that could have been taken and rather be a running back, receiver, they went, who was best available, and they took that player. And now, again, to my point previously, they just got to prove it on the field. We've talked about it before. Maybe a handful of these guys are actually going to pan out. If they all pan out, that's even better. But statistically, that's not how it works. But you want a couple of them to really stand out. And I think they followed, the, followed it well. Maybe they listened in when we had Danny and... They tuned in and we're like, you know what? Danny has a point. Mike has a point. We're going to go ahead, not get cute. We're going to take the best available and we're going to set ourselves up to see what we can do. They have championship aspirations. It starts during the draft. I think they pretty much did a solid job in the draft. I'm sure we'll have a couple of critiques here and there, but for the most part, overall, they answered the call and they didn't try to get cute, get smart. They took the best available and it showed.
1: Yeah, I think uh, well, I'm a too much. speaking of when we had Danny on, uh, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit here. Uh, I think I, so I did three mock drafts uh, before the draft, and I'm looking down. So I think I have some of them pulled up. I know I did one mock draft before Russ got traded, so that one was a little iffy because you never really – like, their needs were different. That was before Carlos Dunlap got cut. That was before Benson Mayoa got cut. That was before Bobby got cut and before Russ got traded and before they acquired Drew Locke and Shelby Harris and Noah Fan. Like, there's was, there was a lot of roster shuffling that was done. I think I did that mock, like, the day I landed in Indy. So that just shows yeah. you how far back that one was. That said, between that mock, the two mocks that I did after um, – Next, let me break these mocks up into categories. So there's it was, it was a pre rest trade mock, and then <laughs> there's a mock of what I would do if I was them. I did I did that one on April fifth, and then I had a mock that came out I think the day of the draft, or the day before. That was like, all right, here's what I think the Seahawks will do. So I tried to I did three very different things with the with the mocks because otherwise I would just been picking the same guys because my yeah. opinions didn't change, um, relatively speaking. So. That first between those three mocks, I picked five of the guys they took, you know, five of the nine guys they took. I mocked Charles Cross to them at nine. I mocked Abe Lucas to them at 72 in the same mock, actually.
2: Uh, Fire. Was,
1: yeah. One mock. I had Kobe. One mock. I had Tariq. I think Tyreek Smith. I think that was actually the same mock as well. And then in another mock, I had Tariq Woolen. I think that was in the final mock, right? Kind of predicted what they would do. So, like, they the fits make sense as well. That's probably why I'm really – this is probably the highest I've been on the Seahawks draft in quite some time, probably actually ever, since I've been on the beat, again, since 2017. Like, everything just kind of fit. Not only did they take the best available guys at the positions that they needed, with the exception of – we can get into the Kenneth Walker thing a little bit later. Uh, I just – I don't obviously know who was the best available by the seventh round. I had stopped paying attention. i not even going to lie to you. Um, but, actually, I kind of thought they might take Carson Strong. Uh, in the seventh oh, round really okay. yeah because at that point i mean whatever you know it's the same thing like when they took uh, alex magoo in the seventh round from fiu in 2018. yeah uh, but i think they took guys who needed to do they needed they took guys who have like a masters in what they need from them and i, I still that phrase from the homie ray roberts who we had on for our line pre-draft episode ray loves to say that specifically with the line it's like stop taking guys who like if I had to keep that college analogy, stop taking guys who took a, one class in every major, you know, <laughs> you know, stop taking a guy who took a philosophy course and, and a drug class and some criminal justice stuff, you know, and some art classes. No, no, no. Take a guy who was like into biochemistry or something like, like, you know, for the last that, three years. <laughs> yeah. Take that guy. He's in like chemistry 103, then chemistry 203, then chemistry 303. He's a, he's a chemist. That's yep. him. Take that dude, and that's what Ray has said with their lineman. Like, stop taking a guy like Justin Britt who can play tackle, guard, center. Shows take a, weakness. Yeah. take a Damian Lewis who just plays guard because you need a guard. Yep. Simple. And I thought they applied that pretty well across the board. You know, took Charles Cross. What can Charles Cross do? Everything. What do they need their left tackle to do? Everything. Everything. <laughs> right. But primarily block, right? In the passing game, that's what they need. They took Abe Lucas. What can Abe Lucas do? A little bit of everything. But what can you specifically do? Block in the passing game. So I think, you know, and um, Kenneth Walker fits in that regard, too, with his ability to, to make guys miss. Uh, boy, Mafe fits that with his ability to rush the passer. Same thing with Tyreek Smith. Like, oh, I need guys who can rush the passer. Well, let me not take guys whose best thing as an edge defender is the run game. You know, that's why if I was grading Jacksonville's draft, I'd be really critical. I'd be like, why why would you take Travon Walker? Like, yeah. the best thing he might do might be defend the run. Now, it doesn't mean he can't rush the passer, but if you're going to take a guy that high first overall, he should be like a Hall of Fame caliber pass rusher in my in my opinion. So compared to like what Jacksonville did, I think that the Seahawks just got guys that can like do the thing they really, really need. You know, um, Kobe Bryant's really smart. Um, You're going to need guys who are going to have to pick up on this, you know, because I expect them to run a totally different scheme, probably a little little pattern match stuff. That's going to you got to be able to pick that stuff up. Um, and also, those guys can flat out just cover at least Kobe can. Um, so proved thinking, it, yeah, yeah. And once you get into the fifth round where like Tariq was taken and Ty- Tariq and Tyreek, um, they've got they got they went real black in that fifth <laughs> round, uh, they, they got they went and got brothers for real. I knew they was black by the name. Uh, like once you get into that round, you just kind of taking uh just some traits that you like, but then first four, like through the fourth round, I was like, okay, cool, you took a guy. At the spots you needed, and then you were like, "Let's double up on stuff that we really need, like, yes. at, like corner, like the whole process, man." I give it to Pete and John. I've been really hard. We've both been really hard on them. We've had people on the show that have been really hard on them for reasons that are fair. Let's be very they, clear.
2: They answered the call, Mike. Yes, they yeah, answered. They
1: maybe they just needed. You know what was funny? Um, and we can get into the prospects after this, but it was funny after the after the draft. Pete Carroll, or I think it was John, John, John Snyder mentioned, he was like, yeah, you know, this was the first time we've been able to have Jody in there. Um, She, know, she was like giving us, you know, she had her opinions on things. And like, John was like, yeah, no, there was some stuff she wanted and we got it done. Um, And he, obviously he wouldn't specify. And he said it kind of with a smile. So like he was joking, it was actually (laughs) kind of serious. And it was funny. I was thinking about it later. I was like, you know, that's probably why this was their best draft. Jody was probably like, "Hey, hey, stop, stop. See the guy highest on our board? Hey, <laughs> Take him. Shut up. Everybody, shut up. <laughs> I'm the owner. Take the highest guy on the board and let's move on. Now, like, if I don't know if that's what happened, nobody has told me that or anything, but like, it was funny. It, I did kind of see a correlation between, like, hmm, it's funny that they had the owner in the building and may have had their best process.
2: Mm, uh, keep yeah. it going.
1: Also it was a, maybe this might be speak to football at a macro level. It was like, hmm, they had a woman in there and did the best thing they've ever you know the best they've done. Like maybe you need more women in the room in a draft board, you know who, who knows? This, there's a bunch of ways to exploit like to find edges in the draft. and I think that like there's two of them, there's there's two like ways that some teams are catching up on. Like is A to have a numbers based approach like to really lean into the numbers more than other teams. And B, Put some women in there. Yeah. <laughs> there ain't no team got women in there. You, you getting, you, you're getting a voice there that no other team is getting the insight that you just can't, can't get. So uh, maybe that's what they did. Maybe that's why, maybe that's the key. I'll, I'll go try and work on that in a story or something like that. See if having, having a woman in there, having the owner in there was like, Oh, that's why we just nailed this thing on paper. But, like, you prove
2: it. whatever they did, let's hope they continue it. But you did mention getting to the prospects. Let's get to the prospects because, They answered the call, all right? They go out and get a guy who is, quote-unquote, his freshman year he redshirted, and then the following year he was an All-SEC. He missed one game, and that's Charles Cross. That is first-team All-American, his second-year first-team All-SEC. Can't hold trophy, skip the bowl game for obvious reasons, but this guy is definitely coming in and trying to be that left side that protects not Geno Smith, but Drew Locke.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, no, it, it, it's, it's I, I think, uh, can we do we have to should we talk about the quarterbacks at the end or we talk about them now?
2: We can do that at the end because we want to focus on the fact that they got a left tackle, they are sold on him. He looks good with his strengths, match up with the Seahawks. Want to do there's weaknesses that they can hopefully build upon, and he can be better at that as the season progresses. But you are looking at Charles Cross to come in and start week one. That's the mindset, he's a first round pick, ninth overall you are expecting him to come in and be that left tackle, be your strong side, well, not strong side, be your left side and protect Drew Locke, but we'll get to that later. That's what you're expecting from him, and I think he can do that. He's been – well, he was in an air raid system, so it's kind of, okay, you have that down, but now we need to add to your game, and that's going to be getting out and blocking because the Seahawks want to do one thing this year, and that's get back to the run game. Pete talked about it, been talking about it for the past two seasons, how he wants to get back into it be more of a game-needed quarterback that can game-manage and throw the ball deep when needed. But for the most part, Penny's is going to get his touches. Don't know the status update of Chris Carson, but I'll be honest, it doesn't look good. So you're going to have Rashad Penny. They drafted Kenneth Walker the third, so he's going to get some touches for sure, as you wrote in your latest story. What was that yesterday, Mike? You said he's going to get some touches based on just how the lineup is looking?
1: I mean, he's going to get some touches based on the the how volatile the running back position is. No guy makes it through 17 games and a playoff run on a year to year basis. Nobody yep. and nobody does that. I think Alvin Kamara has been pretty available for the Saints, I think uh over the years but like no man, guys, your your running back is going to miss games. Yeah. Just just count on it. And so yeah, the, every team yeah. needs multiple. We'll get into the running back value thing later, but yeah.
2: Yeah, and then you also you're bringing in a guy that according to Dane, he he wrote on on the beast that Cross shows outstanding hand exchange and movement patterns and pass protection. He projects as a starter with pro bowl level talent, thanks to his pass blocking. So that alone, they've already, you know, he's already projected to be that great. Now you add in the element of being able to run block, man, he is going to be fun to watch on Sundays. So this is big. And the Seahawks went and did that.
1: Yeah. I think with cross, um, and, and Abe Lucas, um, I think the reason that I would, I had mocked them to Seattle, independent of their uh, lack of run-blocking snaps, and because they both played in the air raid, both played for Mike Leach. Um, Mike Leach, I think, recruited Abe uh, to Wazoo and then left and then got there while Charles Cross was already there at Mississippi State. Um, and they both played for Mason Miller, uh, O-line coach at Wazoo and the O-line coach at Mississippi State. We talked to Mason on the radio um, Saturday morning. Shout out to everybody who's been listening to the hype. Uh, with Christian Mike on Saturdays on KJR. Uh, but I talked to Mason on Friday, uh, an extended conversation. At that point, they had only drafted Charles. Uh, but we talked a little bit about Abe, too, because I told him I went to Wazoo. Um, and one thing he mentioned to me.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: is that it's something I've kind of believed over the years and it's something I mentioned on the radio and I really kind of learned, saw firsthand with a guy like D.K. Metcalf. And here's what I mean. Like, D.K. only ran a few routes at Ole Miss. He didn't have to run that many. He only played like five games this final year, too, because he broke his neck. Uh, People forget that he broke his neck. You know, like kickoff. You know, that's why he'll never do kickoff again. Uh, but he only played five games, only uh, only ran, I don't know, what slants, hitches, and goes. He didn't have to run much because it was the SEC, he was 64, he was a beast and he didn't really need to run that much and they had AJ Brown uh as well. So, it, um if you look at some of the scouting reports on DK, they're like, "Oh, well, this guy can't really run routes." And that was really the thing. I, like one of the one of the most um the one of the posts I've got the most engagement on on Twitter is when I tweeted just up uh, DK running a hitch. All I said was DK runner of routes. That was the whole caption and boy, the the discourse in there was just bananas. It's got like a million views or something like that, with like three thousand comments or something like that, and that was his narrative. I think we had Doug Farrar on that year to talk about it. Doug Farrar wrote a piece about. It was like, no, DK can run routes, and you could see it at training camp. Because, but by the time he had got to training camp, DK had hired a receivers coach. I forget the guy's name, but I think he's on the Arizona Cardinals staff. Uh, hired that guy, worked with him all off season uh, before the draft, uh, got refined those skills, and by the time he got to the Seahawks, I was like, Oh, actually he could run those routes. And on top of that, he already was running them in practice. They just didn't need to run them at Ole Miss because all he needed to do was run straight to get open out to in the sec. Yeah. Cause he was DK freak freaking Metcalf. And that's, that brings me back to these um these old line guys who didn't do a lot of run blocking. And I was talking to Mason. He's like, he's like Mike, or he might've called me Michael. I can't remember. doesn't matter. He was just like these, they can both run block. We just didn't need to do it. We could move the ball passing it every time which is what they did uh, in both schools they can run block i've seen them do it and then he was even like he gave me the example when the uh, giants worked out charles cross the giants had picks five and seven so they were considering him they wanted charles to block from a three-point stance you know like having your hand in one hand in the ground uh and charles looked at mason he was like oh i know how to do this like this ain't even nothing new You know, because he had already done it. He just wasn't doing it a lot on tape. It doesn't mean he couldn't do it. Same thing with DK and those routes. Just because it wasn't on his game film doesn't mean the boy can't do it. And in the case of Charles and Abe, they've hired pre-draft coaches. I don't know who their coaches are, but they've hired guys, and they've worked on it. Abe worked on uh, blocking from the left side and the right side and blocking it with three-point stance. Charles has worked on blocking from the left side and the right side and out of a three-point stance. So I bet you, even though it wasn't on tape, by the time these guys get to rookie minicamp, which will be this weekend, they're going to look way more comfortable or they're just going to gonna look so smooth blocking out of those stances um, than they maybe showed on tape or even at the senior bowl. You know, I, I bet you, I think Abe blocked out of a three-point stance at the senior bowl because that's kind of how things go these days. These agents and these scouts, and there's so many private trainers everywhere that you can work on your weaknesses before the team even drafts you. You can be a guy who played a bunch of zone technique and then just hire some DB coach in Atlanta, do nothing but press man for three months. So by the time the Jets draft you, you're looking like Richard Sherman. You know, you you can just you can do now you still need the game reps, but you get my point. So talking to Mason Miller, kind of breaking down what he's seen from both of them. Now, he has no reason but to talk them up, of course. So, yeah, you got to take that with a little bit of grain of salt. But also the man's O-line coach. I'm a default to his you know, kind expertise. of expertise there. I don't mm-hmm. know. You While know? Um, well, taking into consideration some stuff from the homie Ray Roberts as well, who liked both picks and text me um, after both picks. Like I like, I like both of those. So uh, I, I just thought that it, they, even if that's the weakness on their boards, like, man, Pete I'll tell you when you're talking about drafting a tackle, you need somebody who, Hey, look, man, it's third and eight. Can, can you, can you hold your own and not end up on your ass? Or draw a holding penalty, like because we need to move the rock, and that that's pass blocking. Can you do that? Can you handle it? We're playing the Rams. On one side, they've got uh, who's some of the Rams edge rushers? Um, why can't I think right now? Well, let's, um, actually give me give me a team. Give me a team that's got two guys. Who who really who really the
2: Steelers? It. There you go.
1: Uh, they don't play the Steelers this year. Let me think of an. Think oh, of, give so me now you so
2: you gonna tell me that? So a team they played this year. Uh, let's think. Okay, how about the Cardinals?
1: All right. So dang, I don't know who their edge rushers are either. This example. Well, they just gave up their best one. So <laughs> I know this example is really is really falling on itself. But either way, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's third and nine. We're playing the Rams on one side. They got uh, Leonard Floyd. The other side, they've got somebody. I doesn't remember they're playing Aaron Donald as a five technique on this snap. Like we need to move the ball. Can you guys hold up? And that matters. That right there, I, I think. One more thing on the tackle guys, and this goes to the whole draft in general. A really cool thing that Shil Kapadia uses mostly with first round picks, but I think it it can apply at other positions specifically is a two minute rule. Chris, have you seen this from Shil? Shil Kapadia at the Athletic, when he talks about the two minute rule in some of his stories. Go through it again. I probably have spent a minute though. So the, the two minute rule, I think he applies it mostly to the first to the first round. Is like, all right you ask yourself as a team will this guy be on the field during a two-minute drill when we're trying oh, to yes. win the game yep. yep i think it's an excellent way to frame how, like positional value again mostly in the first round but like i think when you're talking about traits for guys too you can apply it there like the thing he does best can that help us when the game is on the line right like that's that's what i really think uh is key with the the tackle picks like all right it's, we're down, we're down, we're down four or whatever. We're down seven. You're going to be on the field as a lineman. Are you good at the thing we need you to be great at right now? And that's pass, that's pass protect. And I think that's where they've gone wrong with some of their other picks. Um, and I think that you can look at a running back that way, defensive tackles that way, edge rushers that way, um, DBs, whatever. Like, are you, are you good? When the game is on the line, two minutes left. Can you be great right now? Actually, A, will you even be on the field. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a bigger one. question. <laughs> that's one. And then that's really important when you're talking about inside linebackers. Are you talking about guys whose greatest skill is their ability to stop the run? Well, damn, that's nice, but it's like, all right, it's a two-minute drill. We're trying to get off the field here. We're trying to preserve a win so we can go to the Super Bowl or something like that. Can you cover? Can you recognize, can you run up a seam, can you follow that tight end, can you get that PBU to help us, you know? So that's another thing. But with the two tackle prospects, that's what I really like. Run blocking aside, I, I trust the coaches to teach them that. I there do. you go. I do, and I don't think you have to work too hard to teach them that because uh, of how athletic those guys both are. But when you, if I, if the, if the goal was, oh, we can teach them the pass block, I'd be like, oh shit. <laughs> I'd be like, no, you not. <laughs> no, you not. That's why I wasn't a big fan of like the Trevor Penning pick from Northern Iowa. Like I, I, I thought they would take him, but didn't want them to. Uh, like, we'll see what happens with him. I think he's in New Orleans. Um, But I, I don't want your greatest strength if you win the first round as a tackle to be that you run block. Nah. Two-minute rule, baby. Shout out to Shield on that one. Chris, I there like the that the Seahawks took, man. What What year is it? It's 2022.
2: Things are – phase one looks good. <laughs> we'll start there. You did mention – Can the DB get pass breakups? Can get the the defense off the field? And we might as well switch things. We talked a little bit of offense and who the Seahawks drafted offensively, and that was their two tackles. You have Charles Cross, and then you go and get Abe Lucas. So let's actually go defense and look at the cornerback room because they took Kobe Bryant, shout out to the Mamba, and Tariq Woolen. Now – when you look at the cornerback situation, DJ Reed, he wanted to get the bag. He did get the bag. He ended up going to the Jets, I think, mm, what, was, what was it? Next I
1: think three, he ended up getting about 11, 11 a year on a three-year Yeah,
2: Yeah, that sounds about right. So, DJ went to the Jets, and the Seahawks needed – they definitely needed someone to come in that could compete for a starting position, and that would definitely be Kobe Bryant, who I think is in the mix right now with Sidney Jones, who – he was up and down last season, but he's going to get some reps this off season or during training camp and rookie mini camp. He's got an opportunity to be a starter. With that being said, Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen, Mike, what are your takes on these two guys that have been drafted? Do you see either one of them making the field?
1: Um, yeah, I think I see Kobe for sure. I think so. I think one thing to note is that there are two very different players. Um, I'll start with Kobe. Kobe's a little shorter. I think Kobe's like six one. Uh, arms are a little shorter than you would see on a Seahawks corner. I want to say they're about 30 and some change, maybe like Pete's come off the 32 inch thing with, thank God. I think we talked about that last year. I was, was,
2: was,
1: I've been waiting so long for him to do that. You know, it's like, dude, you're just, you're cutting off. It's the same thing I happened to, I mentioned about like having women in your draft room and it's like, you are just, you're cutting off so many prospects all right. It's like if you only want men in your draft room or on your team or in your organization, whatever your organization is, you're just cutting off half the population that could potentially help you, you know, like you, you're just cutting off some, like so many potential uh, adverse or um, allies in that regard. Same thing. It's like, all right, only people on our board are going to have 32 inch arms. Well, that you're probably cutting off of half the damn prospects, guys who can legitimately <laughs> cover. You're you making know? your so, list harder. <laughs> And here's the other thing that I needed them to realize about that, too. It's like after you guys won the Super Bowl, you're not the only team looking for those long-arm corners at this point anymore. So, like, you're cutting your your your, uh, your prospect size down and everyone else is looking for that same thing. So it makes it even harder to find the dudes. Ain't no Shermans slipping to the fifth round no more. No. Right? That's just not how it works because of what you guys did in the you know mid-2010s or whatever. So Kobe's a little shorter. Um, then, then Tariq Tariq's 6'4, arms are much shorter than Tariq's. I think Tariq's 34 inch arms at, at his pro day, which is ridiculous. That's that's real long. That's like the type of guy stand up straight and touch his knee without bending type of <laughs> arm length. Like that's that's pretty pretty crazy. Um, I don't know what his wingspan is, but I imagine it's like ridiculously long. The thing with Kobe is, and from talking to people who have, have worked with him uh, at Cincinnati and have watched him, like he's just really sound, like he just knows ball and knows how to get to the ball before the play even develops. In that regard, he does kind of remind me of, like, a Sherm in that way because that was Sherm's greatest strength, and that's what he'll tell you. Like, plenty of guys get out there and say, man, I want to get Sherm, and he ran my route for me, you know, or he knew what was coming and, and things like that. So Kobe, if you look at a lot of the plays or some of the biggest plays he had, some of his pick sixes or big interceptions, like they came as a result of knowing what's coming. Yeah, knowing that he could cheat this way, or like I know one play, um, maybe we could find it. He he's it's from 2020. I think they're playing like South Florida or something, and Kobe's in the red zone, and he's guarding the furthest outside receiver. So to get real football nerdy, that's the number one receiver. The number three receiver to his side is like in the slot. I think they're in the red zone. The number three receiver runs a corner route, which means he comes up and breaks towards um, the back corner of the of the end zone. So what Kobe does. Is he comes off of his guy and sinks underneath the corner route and picks it. Well, because he he kind of knew how they were gonna attack that based on the formation. Like stuff like that. That's that's yeah, instincts and film study preparation. Like he from talking to people and like I got that example from someone who, you know, has worked with him, like that, that type of stuff. That tells me you're ready. You know, now the, the the physical stuff he didn't test super well. I think if you look at his relative athletic score, it was pretty. Yeah, hard.
2: he ran. Yeah, he ran a four or five. Nothing. Nothing off yeah. the charts.
1: Yeah, yeah. Didn't run. Didn't a lot of the stuff didn't test well. I don't think even the agility stuff or anything like he d- just was not a tester. Like, and that's and and that can be and That's probably why he fell. To be honest, like some teams probably had some way to like quantify the type of players they want, um, and we're just like, you know what, this kid he didn't meet the testing thresholds for us. We're not gonna take him. Uh, yeah. But, you know, on his relative athletic score, he was five point six out of ten, which is not great. That's like bad. this is no, no, it's it's definitely not good. Um, but what Seattle did is they said, "Hey, we'll take the tape over, tape over testing." Yeah, the eye test is key. Yeah, and, and that's and that's fine. I'm I'm cool with that. Sometimes sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't. It depends on the player. Depends on the pick. You know, depends on what the film did show you. Um, so uh, I, I liked I like the thought process there. I'm so, with it.
2: I- I'm also yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm definitely on the standpoint of liking that process there. The concern that I know Dane pointed out was his twitchiness. And in this division with the NFC West, with all these, well now yeah, Hollywood Brown, who is twitchy as they come, Rondell Brown Rondale Moore with the Cardinals. Hell, even Cooper Cup, to set the speed as you like to call him, he's very twitchy. Like he's gonna have to be able to react and recover, which that's one of his weaknesses. And hopefully this new defensive coordinator, this court, this defensive staff that they brought in for the Seahawks, they can assist him with that, and he can become better at it that way when he's in the game, because I think he's going to get some reps against in in-game situation unless they get another corner or Artie Burns turns out to be the next guy. I think he's going to have to be ready, because he definitely showed it. What, he had 14 passes defense with Cincinnati, and that was because, you know, his teammate Sauce Gardner was over there. They're just not going to throw his way. So They're like, you know what, we'll pick on you, Kobe, and it didn't work out, because I think he had, what, three interceptions as well. I know he had four yeah. the year previous, so he's definitely someone that can make plays, but he's just gonna have to do it at the next level.
1: Yeah, he he had number two in school history and a uh, passes defense for a career, uh, forty five, which is which is pretty crazy. Like, he was a four year oh, wow. starter too. That's that's another thing. You know, the the guy was he he was a starter for. For a lot of for a long time played a lot of ball, got a lot of reps, got a lot of targets because, like you mentioned, nobody wanted to throw at sauce, and they knew that too. Like, he took that challenge personally. He because there's there's something to that as like an ego thing where it's just like, hey, hey, uh, hey Kobe, they're gonna throw at you a lot because they don't think you're as good as the other guy, which he might not be, but that's still insulting to some degree to be like, wait, 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 you don't think you can test him, Would you think you can test me? Oh, ah, hell no. Nah. Um, and that was kind of how he uh, approached that. Again, this is according to uh, people I talked to that worked that worked with him. So I mean, that that's another mindset thing that I liked. He seemed just like an overall more polished player. And John Snyder mentioned that too. He called Kobe more buttoned up, you know, mm. than than Tyreek, or yeah, than Tariq. Excuse me. So I think that's the diff- one big difference between the two. So like to compare that to Tariq, what did John Snyder say after he told me that that buttoned up thing? He was like, Tariq's just an athletic freak. You know, the what's his nickname? Is it Reek the Freak? Or yeah, you got it. Tariq you're the at freak, it. Yeah, you're right. And that's because the kid is 6'4", ran four two six with 34-inch arms. That that's is disgusting. nuts. Yeah, that is. And at the Senior Bowl, you know, they wear the little little GPS tracker things that show how fast they go. Tariq <laughs> broke the record, you know, for how fast the guy ran with, with those on. I think it was 22.4 uh, miles an hour. So, like, that's why this guy got drafted. Not because yeah. he's a former receiver and he was in the fifth round and he's big like Richard Sherman. If anything, Kobe is more like Sherman than Tariq. Tariq has the physical like background and some like some Sherm-ish things, but for one, ain't but one Richard Sherman. So we should stop that right here. It's his only yeah. one. The football gods did not make two. You know, they used all the little juice they had. They did the little salt bay thing with the with the arm. And they only made one Richard Sherman. They only made one Doug Baldwin. Every little shifty dude is not Doug. All right. That's just let's just get that out there now. And that's the case with a lot of those Legion of Boom dudes. Um, they're they're just one of one. That's what made that era so special. There ain't but one Cam Chancellor will never see another Cam because of how the rules are, and just because of Cam was a freaking psychopath, you know, on the on the football field. Um, so I want to I keep that in mind uh with, with as we talk about these guys. But with Tariq, yeah, it's just it's just raw. That kid is just raw. Like you talked, yeah. did we talk to Deontay Lee about him? Um, um, we, had
2: we did, yes. And I, I'm if I'm not mistaken, that's what he mentioned. He has the athletic gifts, but he also needs to learn how to play coverages. He's just a he's just naturally gifted. And now these natural gifts have to be toned and then applied. When it comes to covering because that is something that he needs to definitely work on and hopefully as I mentioned with Kobe he has to work on some things same with Tariq even though Kobe is a better coverage defender he doesn't have the 4-2 speed he is able to read and do things better than Tariq can which is why Tariq is where he's at where he was drafted where he was picked because of his ability to run fast he's really good he can get up the field quickly. Not going to give up too many deep balls. I mean, hell, if they said, hey, we're just going to run streaks on this side, Tariq probably have that covered pretty well, as long as he turns his head. But that's a whole other discussion for a different yeah, that's, day. That's <laughs> the
1: technique, though, on top of just being fast.
2: So my guess is that might be a problem for him, just getting, you know, the simple – something I, I tweet often when I'm watching games of how many times DBs just don't look for the ball when they see the receiver's eyes getting big and their heads are turned. That's something you got to work on. They do it in practice all the time in drills. Now you just gotta apply that in the game, but Tariq is definitely someone that he's gonna be working harder in the offseason just to to get to a, the next level where he can participate and be effective because that four two six speed definitely could be used as a corner for sure.
1: Yeah, I just I, w- I definitely want to just highlight the, the the differences between the two players because once you see like two edge guys, two tackles, two corners, I like think you know they went full Noah's Ark this draft. Um, we got a <laughs> little t- two of everything, like two receivers. Actually, yeah, they got two of everything but running back. Um. Hell, if they had a tenth pick, they probably would have took another. How would have get a pick. running back? <laughs> and so, but they're different. You know, Abe's different than Charles. Kobe is different than Tariq in ways that I consider to be very notable. Like Pete Carroll talked about Tariq and was like, "We're gonna get him on the line of scrimmage, and we're gonna see if that's just him. He's just nasty up there, which makes sense because of the long arms. But like, that still requires a lot of technique, a lot of refining some skills because one thing he'll learn in training camp once he matches up with um, you know guys okay. like. DK, guys like tyler on the no outside logic, that yeah. if you if you you know you got bad feet you got bad eyes you're over aggressive with your hands you will get torched it doesn't matter how fast you can run so i just think that uh he's a bit more of a raw prospect who can be good like the ceiling on him is probably ridiculous you know because of the physical stuff you combine the physical stuff with the ability to learn to like really learn the position because he played receiver for two years um in college the ceiling is probably crazy high on him.
2: Greatest yeah. of all time.
1: <laughs> I don't know about all that. Uh, well, but, just
2: based on his traits, a four-two-six that can play corner. If he yeah, gets, no, if he gets everything perfectly aligned.
1: Yeah, it's I don't know if the greatest of all time It's like yeah, it, that that's 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 a lot. But I think just is. A, a really good player. Is you know like whereas like Kobe could probably coming right now like Trey Brown did and be like oh you 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 ready to roll you know to yeah. our system and you can go out there. Um, and go because Trey was another guy who just had a lot of big moments uh in college, just like, just like Kobe. I like both of them. I've mocked both of them to the Seahawks for different reasons. Um, But if, when you're talking about like, all right, Mike, what's this guy? And what's this guy? Like I would expect Kobe to probably sneak into the starting lineup much faster. Um, And if Tariq does get into the lineup, it probably be because of a lot of injury. this is year one. If he gets into the lineup in year one, probably because of injuries or he would take over like a, a Ryan Neal type of role where all right we're gonna put six DBs on the field. We need guys who can just play man, you know, because we're gonna go cover one, you know, with Quandre over the top. We're gonna to blitz Jamal, you know, so like we need more guys who can cover, maybe bring a bring a Tariq in. That's 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 what I anticipate there. But both guys I like. I just wanted to separate, you know, the difference between the two. Cause it's not just only oh, took two corners. It took two very different style corners.
2: Now my question is Mike, do you want to bounce back to the offense or do you want to stay on the defensive side and talk edge rushers here
1: i want to talk about the kenneth walker pick
2: well then let's go ahead and dive into kenneth walker
1: yeah because i got into and i feel like i'm gonna get into this discussion as long as this guy's on the team i feel like just because let me start with this kenneth walker the third is a monster like that dude you watch him i remember i watched him in college actually uh quite a bit just because i remember he had a he had one game where he had, like, a really big run. I was like, wow, that guy's really good. And then he had another game where he had, like, five touchdowns or something like that. Might have been against Michigan. And I just remember thinking, God damn, this kid is good. Like, he probably won't be a Seahawk. Like, I was thinking he'd probably be, like, a first-round pick. Like, I thought he might be the only running back in the first round this year because that's how good I thought he was. And it just seemed like, uh, like, Jesus Christ, nobody could tackle him. You know, I yeah, that, so that's where I was on him. Yeah, he's just a beast, he's just a monster. He had like 1100 yards after contact in college. Yeah,
2: that's disgusting.
1: Jesus. What that is, that is crazy. I, like, he averaged something like I don't know, he had his yards after contact per rush were, 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 were just kind of crazy. So, I, I really liked that part of his game. I am not against Kenneth Walker Jr., or Kenneth Walker the third, excuse me, the player. I just think that his selection gives us a window into running back value. Right? Cause he is the 41st pick. And when you use the word value, um, and I, I I tweeted this about Jordan Brooks too, because it's a very interesting discussion in that way. Like everyone like assigns a pick's worth differently. Like, what is a pick worth? You know, like I just said about the first overall pick. I want a potential Hall of Famer there. That's what I want. Ideally, that's what I want. If nothing else, I want a guy who's going to be a multi-time All-Pro. Yeah, at that position. That's what I. That's what I want. At least like twice. You know, by the end of your rookie deal, once by the end of your rookie deal, maybe a couple more times after that, because I have really high expectations for a pick there. Especially since those guys ain't that cheap. The first overall pick's fully contract is fully guaranteed. I think, like it's a lot of money I'm spending on you too, on top of using high draft capital. So, and it, and it drops as you drop into the round in terms of what that pick should do, how that pick should perform. And there's ways to test that. You can use pro football references, approximate value thing. You can use war, um, wins above replacement, like a baseball-ish type of stat. But PFF has you found a way to like quantify it with uh, football players as well. It's inexact science, but it's semi-helpful. Like, like for pick 27 with Jordan Brooks or Rashad Penny, I want a Pro Bowl out of them on their rookie deal. I do. That's that's what I want from them. At minimum, I want you to be an above-average player at your position and give me a Pro Bowl while you're on your rookie deal. That is what I want from the 27th pick. It really doesn't even matter what position what position you are at that point. That's just what I want. You are a first-round pick, supposedly a 27th best player in the draft. I want you to do that, right? The 41st pick. If you're going to be a running back, I need you to be like the best back in the league because of how relative running back skill is from the first round to like the fourth round. You can legit find a, a starting caliber running back, like a beast in the fifth round. Yeah. again, It's just one of those positions where you can just find guys back there. You can find guys undrafted. You can find guys in the seventh, like Chris or in the fifth, like Aaron Jones or in the third round, even um, third round is probably the sweet spot for where I'd want to take a running back. If I was running a team, I just think when you're talking about pick 41, like what the 41st pick is, is worth and what it's capable of producing. I just think that if you go, I just don't see the value in going running back there because of where you can get comparable talent. Like how much different is I'm trying to think of a running back that went later. Um, like, for example, I mocked Abraham or Abram Smith running back from Baylor. I don't even think he got drafted, but I mocked him to the the Seahawks with like a, the four, a fourth round pick. Same thing with like Kyron Williams from Notre Dame, uh, who I think went to the Niners or the Rams, I think uh sometime on day three in terms of relative to their costs and how they're going to produce in the league i don't see a big jump there as as great as like a guy like kenneth is he's probably gonna be a monster they're probably gonna be monsters on day three too i guess that's yeah. the way i should say this yes he's a monster there also are also gonna be other monsters on day three i think because of also what we know about the impact that run blocking has on how good a given running back is you can be – well, I not want to say you can be uh, Barry Sanders because you can't, but <laughs> Barry Sanders is the exception. It doesn't matter what his line was doing. We talked to Ray about that a little bit. He, he different. Didn't, he didn't need them. <laughs> he, he didn't need He was going to make all 11 guys miss and go score. That's just not the case. Everybody not Barry. You can be as good as Alvin Kamara is, as good as Aaron Jones or Dalvin Cook or Joe Mixon if you're, your line will largely determine how great you are. So if you're trying to improve your run game, draft a good lineman more than it's like, oh, take a running back high. So because of where you can get running backs and the rest, the relationship between run blocking and running back success, I just didn't like the value there. People keep getting caught up on the player. Everyone keeps tweeting me his highlights and how good he is. I'm like, I know, guys. I can Google the same stats y'all got. I got the same access to YouTube. I got Wi-Fi as well. Not the point. The point is that, you take someone forty-one when you have all these other needs too, that center. I, yeah, I just think that the center they needed a tackle at the time, they needed a corner at the time. Remember, at the time they needed these guys, so I just think that that they got lucky later, but they couldn't have guaranteed that. That would have been bad process. So I just think that it's a value thing. He's gonna be good. I think he's probably honestly he might be the best running back on the team already. Like, well, yeah,
2: that. Dame Brugler has him number one on his and the draft board for running backs, he's number one. So I think maybe the Seahawks were thinking he wouldn't last the end of the second round. And I know your point is, but Chris, you could find someone else in fourth and fifth. Right. The Seahawks probably didn't want to risk that because they had who they wanted in the fifth round. Like they got their guys. Like those are the guys they – We won in the fifth round, no matter what, and they're probably thinking if we don't take Kenneth, some team is going to get that guy, and they know how good he is. Which I guess is still not your point, because
1: (laughs) right. My point is not that you needed to get Kenneth. My point is that like you can get the
2: same value with another guy, but I think maybe in the Seahawks' head they were like, no, we can't get this value again, and that's maybe a deep dive that we need to do, a deeper look, and maybe for another episode we can actually say, okay, here's all the other running backs. This is what Kenneth did. This is what these guys did. Okay, the Seahawks had a point. The value is a little different. Could this p- guy potentially reach that? Maybe, maybe not. But ultimately, the Seahawks maybe looked at it as like, yo, we can't let this guy go. And if we do, that's going to screw up what we have planned in the fifth round. Because in the fifth round, they were able to hit and grab. Who did they get in the fifth round again? I'm drawing a blank. It was, they got Tariq Smith, defensive end at Ohio State, and Tariq yeah, well, Woolen. So yeah. maybe, you know, maybe not taking Tariq. In the fifth round, they can get another running back, so that's maybe something they thought of. Again, I wasn't obviously in the draft room. I don't know what led to the decision to take a running back, but I do think the future of Chris Carson came to mind. They still want to have a guy that's available because, as you mentioned earlier on the show, running backs, it's very challenging to play 17 games and stay available, per se, and not to mention the postseason, which is if you win, that's another four games, you have a chance at a Super Bowl. All that being said, the Seahawks are like, yeah, we're taking this guy. And hopefully it pans out. And he is a superstar. But there is another part that, well, yeah, you can still find that value, you know, with, I guess, what, a Rashad White out of Arizona State, fifth round. He was, I don't know where he ended up going. But there are other guys that you could potentially take later in the round. So I'll just be devil's advocate here and see, hey, say maybe that the Seahawks, they weren't letting him pass no matter what value you have on him. That's the guy they wanted and they weren't going to screw around. They were going to make their quote-unquote let's get cute moment. Well, actually not even get cute because he was – what was he mocked? He was uh, what uh, the first – he was the best running back overall. He was what, set to go around 40 – or excuse me, where was he supposed to go? Let me uh, see yeah, he was,
1: he was 40th on the big board, so it just depends okay. on how you want to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it, a tough one there.
2: I hear you, though, on the value part. I do understand that because, again, you could find – Someone similar traits, stats wise and plug him in. But I think the Seahawks really were sold on what he can do after the contact, because I I know he led all running backs after contact. The dude was the most physical running back in college football last year.
1: Yeah, I know why they took him. And I know why people are saying, oh, Mike, this is why we needed a running back. Well, yeah, you also needed a center. At the time, you also needed a tackle. I will say That's that. They could have
2: definitely got a center.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, like, there, you need other things, too. And I think the thing with value is people keep acting like we only apply it to running backs. There's every position value in every position. It's yeah. why people are applauding today the Ravens draft class, because it includes Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, the safety, who might be the best player in this damn draft. Right? But he couldn't have gone number one. You know why? Because the people value. don't take safeties that high. Yeah. That's all it is. It's a positional thing, right? It's the same thing as, like, a kicker or a punter, right? That punter from San Diego State might be the – just, like, in terms of just talent, might be, like, a top 50 player in this draft. Like, that, it, it, his nickname is, like, the punt god. At least I think he's from San Diego State. Um, like, but you're not going to take him with the 50th pick, are you? No, because he's a freaking punter. Right? And everyone value? understands that. Like, we all understand that. No one would argue that. You can make yeah. – it's not as extreme with running backs, but you can – People understand the value thing, it's, especially people in Seattle. You tell people in Seattle they traded two first round picks for a safety; they're all upset. Tell them they traded two first round picks for an edge rusher—that's like TJ Watt or something like that. You'd be like, "Oh, no, that makes sense because the are Seiders, Yeah, or like a left tackle, like Tunsell or Jeremy, Jeremy, Jalen uh, Ramsey. Why would why are people more upset about you know the Jamal thing than like the Bears? Trading two first round picks for Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack, yeah, because it's it's a positional value thing. Everyone already understands it. They just they just say, see Kenneth Walker uh, the third highlights and be like, oh, well, screw that. Well, no, no, no. Let's focus on the process here. Like, ignore ignore the ignore the YouTube highlights for a second. There, ignore the numbers. Like, it's just a positional value thing. Everyone gets that. I don't. Yeah. It, it's weird that the pushback is from people who understand that. At least to to me. They understand that it just seems like to just be ignoring it because they like the player, which is fine, I guess. But don't tell me that I'm tripping. Like when you're the same person mad that they traded two firsts for a safety.
2: No, Mike, you're You're just yeah. pointing out the obvious, and we're ignoring the obvious.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're well, it, ignoring the argument that we've that we make in Seattle with other spots. No one, you'd be you'd be mad as hell if the Seahawks took a a, a center with the ninth pick. You'd be even if this Tyler uh, Limbaum dude was the best lineman in the draft. Be like, well, that's bad value. They could have got him later. That's what everybody would be saying right now if they did that, because there's a value tied to the center position. Like yeah. the same exact thing with running backs. I mean, it's the same exact thing. I don't know why people are ignoring that because they're telling me how good any any given running back was in college. They're all good in college. That's why they get drafted. Duh. <laughs> like especially. I'm not breaking news here, peeps. Yeah. So I think two running backs to watch, and or maybe I'll give I give you three. Um. One on day two, one on day three, and then an undrafted guy, Abram Smith at Baylor, another guy I liked. I think he went undrafted. Um, Rashad White, who I think you mentioned, uh, I think he went ninety-one to the Bucks.
2: Okay, so say. okay, so there's someone that the Seahawks probably, if they wanted to shake things up, they could have waited, of course, but whatever.
1: Yeah, and then you, another guy I really liked was uh, Tyler Alger. I think that's how you say his name. The kid from BYU who just killed killed my Cougs uh, <laughs> this year. He was he was nasty. Just could not bring that dude down. I think he went in the fifth round, and so it's like guys like that, a guy like Tyler, who I, I think I had like a third round projection on. So that other people ended up going in a fifth, right? Because that's where you can get good running backs, you know. I think Hassan Haskins went to the Titans. I want to say a kid from Michigan. Uh, I think he went later. So that that's my thing. It's like we already understand positional value around here. We do. We get it. We've been arguing it for years around here. It's why you guys all hate the Jamal trade. <laughs> it was at least one reason. One reason why you guys all hate it. So if you understand positional value, there, don't ignore it when we're talking about running backs or receivers or, or, or whatever, right? It, it's it's you, you can't just ignore that part because you like the guy. Yeah. so I think that's what the Seahawks did with the Jamal thing. They were like, mm, we're probably overpaying a little bit here, but fuck it, we like it. Yeah, that's we exactly like him. Excuse exactly me. That's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. You know, and I understand that too. uh Even though if I wouldn't have given up all that capital, but the point is, uh, like, when you're judging a process. That is not some, you know, you can be critical in that regard. So, yeah, like if you're a fantasy football player, shoot, Kenneth might be your guy. Kenneth might be the dude, you like, right, I might take him in the third round because Pete going will run the ball a lot. And this dude might be that dude from the jump uh, because he he's nasty. I mean, you look at some of his, you look at his college highlights, they look like a lot of the same stuff Rashad Penny was doing with the, the zone run, cut back, hitting the lane, boom going like he he's nasty like that and he's like rashad too i think in that like he doesn't run through people that often he just makes them miss which is different like chris carson will run through somebody whereas rashad like he can do that but he'll his his thing largely is just like uh, oh, okay now i'm gone like that <laughs> that's his thing stick it on the ground kind of go so i like the i like the player it's a value thing that's 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 all oh, i think people keep they're conflating the two when i say oh that pick was a little bit of a reach they're like what do you mean mike i'm like "Well, this is what i mean it's the same thing is that it took a punter that high too you know or a or a long snapper now again it's not as extreme there but i think my example with kyle hamilton or even a center with number nine overall with it, it illustrates what i'm saying there's just certain positions you take at certain spots I don't know the golden spot to take a running back. I think Mike Sando, a colleague at The Athletic, he asked me that. Uh, And I think that is a good question. I think it depends on what what else you need um, as a team. But, like, I would probably just ballpark it around pick 100 and give or take from there. I would give or take about 25 spots in either direction as, like, the ballpark, depending on what your team needs. Right? And how many picks you have, too. So I think that all factors in. But I, I like the player. I just think that everyone understands positional value. They are just choosing to ignore it right now (laughs) because of how good Kenneth is. And it's like I get both both sides of it, but, like, focus on the value part. And then when rookie camp comes, we can all just kind of gush over. That's fair. Right, Right now we're talking process. That's different than just is this a good player.
2: Well, let's flip it again and go to the defensive side of things because the Seahawks didn't reach there. They got the value they needed. They needed pass rush because right now you look at it. Daryl Taylor's are the Seahawks' leading pass rusher had six and a half sacks based off last season. Carlos Dunlap, he's out of there. He's not returning. Doesn't appear he will be. So the Seahawks were like, "Yeah, we need someone that can come in and get to the quarterback." And that would be boy, a Mafe. Look at that. I said it right. He had what seven sacks last season. He is someone that can. I think he's a hybrid. He can do a little bit of both. And then Tyreek Smith, another guy the Seahawks went and drafted. Mike, thoughts on these two defensive edge rushers coming in that are going to be as the Seahawks are slowly and surely transitioning into a more three-four defense here and there. How are you liking these two picks?
1: Yeah, they're full on three-four now, and that's why it was so easy to mock some of these guys to the Seahawks because I just liked guys who, on day one and two, I wanted guys who had that two-point stance in their background um, with some dropping ability too. Because in the in the first two rounds, I really wanted like starters. And I don't know if it would be that right away because they have Uchenna and Wasu and Daryl Taylor, who are, I think they're both 25. It's like you got two 25-year-old edge rushers who have been productive for at least one year each, Uchenna for a little bit longer than Daryl, but has some uh, production in that scheme because they're running something similar uh, with the Chargers. Daryl has obviously played in the scheme, at least a version of Seattle's scheme already. So you got two 25-year-old guys right in their physical primes, boom, Like, I think it's going to be hard. It would be hard if they even took, I think, like Kayvon Thibodeau to jump in right away in the start just because I think the two guys they have are really solid there and should actually book in their their D-line pretty well, actually, on on first and second downs and on third down when they come at the passer. Uh, So I think by day two, if you couldn't get, like, a starter starter because of those two already being there, that you can have, like, a really good just pass rush guy. Like still want the the two point stance, like the stand up rusher in their background, because I'm just tired of seeing guys who, are, who can do the stand up thing but aren't like the best at it, getting those those prime reps. And I just think like even that's why Carlos Dunlap isn't here anymore. That's why Benson Mayo. is like guys, that's not why rushing from a stand up position and stuff like that is not why Benson and Carlos lasted in the league ten plus years. They can do it, but that's not what they hang their hat on. Whereas I think that if you're going to draft some guys, I think they should just be a better fit. And that's what I liked Boye there. I think the only reason I never mocked Boye to the Seahawks was because um, I just always thought he'd be a first-round pick. So mm, I just didn't yeah. think he'd last to the, to the second round. And he lasted, I don't know, what, six picks into the second round. So he was he was like borderline there. There was a rig- I bet you that he's only not a first-round pick because of that big old run on receivers. How many yeah. receivers got taken on day one? Like eight? Uh, eight or nine it was it was a it was a huge run and they just started once drake london went first i think they just started flying off the board it was like drake london i think like Garrett wilson went two spots after then a went right after that and then boom it just it just took off uh after that then you got started seeing teams trading away there for their receivers for, for picks to take receivers it was kind of it got kind of crazy there. that's probably why boy uh kind of kind of fell to them quote unquote fell but i think with way with I think because he has that like outside linebacker-ish feel to him, is probably going to be the more likely guy to impact the team right away. Whereas Tyreek even said it after the draft, he was like, Yeah, we were 4-3 at Ohio State. He was like, we got some reps dropping, kind of what I mentioned about the linemen earlier. They got the reps in practice because their coach was like, look, at Ohio State, we, we train pros. <laughs> we want you guys to be a little good at everything because this we're going to ask of you on the pros. But he just didn't have the game reps. That's not to say he can't do it. You know, can't like be a dropper, can't be a three, four-edge guy. There's a reason I still mocked him to the Seahawks, despite the fact that they were, you know, four down front um at Ohio State, because I think he can do it. But I think to put it in perspective for people that follow the Seahawks and have already watched the team, it's the difference between a Daryl Taylor and an Alden Robinson for me. Yeah. Daryl at Tennessee was already comfortable being a dropper, covering the flat, rushing from hand in the ground, two-point, whatever, he was able to do both because he did it at Tennessee, he kicked ass at it, Seahawks traded up to get him. All made sense. Alton can do that stuff, but Syracuse, it was more like put your hand in the ground and go kill somebody, or kill the quarterback, um, to be specific. So, like, that, that's the difference. They both are going to be asked to do it, just like Boye and Tyreek are going to be asked to be essentially outside linebackers. It's just a matter of what you really hang your hat on. And I think that's why one guy went in the second round and another guy went 100, 100 picks later. Yeah. The difference between the two. So it's very similar with the tackles. They're two different type of tackles. Uh, well, the tackles are kind of similar, but the corners are very different. The receivers are different. You know, uh, Bo Melton is what, 5'9", something 5'11", 193 pounds, where the D-Darick Young is like 6'4", 220. He's huge. <laughs> different guys. The corners, like we talked about, are different skill sets. Different guys have different paths to making the starting lineup. The edge rushers are the same way. Boye has a chance to get in there right away, um, can defend the run, can can uh, be a, a hybrid, like, outside linebacker rusher, has the pass rush skills, boom. Tyreek has some of the same stuff, but not as refined at doing what they're going to ask him to do, and that's why he's a fifth-round pick versus – way of being a second round pick. Same thing with Daryl and Alton. Wasn't one of them a fifth round pick and one of them a second round pick? Yeah, Alton was a fifth round saying, pick, yeah. Daryl was a second. Yeah. So I think but look at Alton, right? Alton was able to you know be productive getting to the passer, but if you notice that's kind of all they're asking Alton to do.
2: Yeah, they're making that transition. Hey, we just need you to rush the passer because as you right. pointed out, you didn't do much of that in college where you're dropping into coverage. So, you know what? We can we can make it work. We'll figure it out. And yeah. you also talked about just his speed. Well, I, well, not really, but he ran four or five. Who, boy Boye. Four Oh, five. yeah. He's
1: a boy. He tested really well. He's an athlete.
2: <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, when they play the Cardinals two times a year, you know what you can do? You can probably put him in a spy position, have him chase him around. That's something he that's a strength. Running around scrambling, getting after scrambling quarterbacks. I know you only have one in the division now, but hell, you play Denver Broncos. That's that's an opportunity to show your your speed. So on obvious passing downs, I expect him to make that leap and be a guy that they can rely on to run around and chase these quarterbacks that are able to scramble because of his strength, which is running. He can, he's athletic sideline to sideline, still some weaknesses, of course, with coverage downfield, but that's something this defense is going to work with him on. What about Tyreek Smith, man?
1: I think to, one more thing on way it's not even necessarily, well, no one's chasing down Kyler Murray. Um, no, just keep him but, in front of you.
2: Like we saw on yeah, a,
1: so, so the, the, the really, the play that you would want to see Boye and Tyreek make is, I think it's, ooh, I want to say it's 2019. I want to say it's Kyler's rookie year. KJ right Week four. No, no, no. Week four, it's Rasheem Green. Rasheem, ha- Kyler tries to break contain, and Rasheem just sets his, squares his feet, squares his shoulders, keeps him in front of him. I think Kyler ends up just going down on his own. Um, and it was just like, wow, Rasheem's athletic as hell. And he's like a 4-3 end type of guy. Uh, And he was able to just square up and and make sure Kyler didn't run around him or shake him. That's what you want from these edge guys. Exactly. Um, Stay sound. So, yeah, I don't even need – because, like, Shaquem was more like a guy that tried to use, like, sideline to sideline, like a spot.
2: But this guy's way bigger, though. That's the advantage there. Shaquem was undersized.
1: Yeah, but he was faster than all these guys, too. Oh, yeah, you're on a (laughs) 4-3. Yeah, the sideline to sideline thing. Like, I can stick you in the middle and you just follow. Raz like with these edge guys I just want you to just set it and just keep contained and that does take some some practicing you know because like you mean, there are even if you're not like a a super fast quarterback like Kyler like there are just other guys who can even a Patrick Mahomes or like a Russell who only a little little. One, one little shake move and a defensive end could could be out of position even an Aaron Rodgers moves good enough to do that Dak Prescott Jalen Hurts like they're you know even a Carson Wentz he's a good athlete in space Mitch Trubisky and In Pittsburgh, Mitch is like a a runner too. Believe it or not, you know these these quarterbacks are so damn athletic, all of them, pretty much these days. So I think that's the thing I want to see from both Tyreek and Boye. is that's what that's the difference between when they're when you look at the scheme fit for people who are just like, all right, Mike, what it like four three three four? Like, what do what's the difference? Right, what what do these guys need to do differently besides dropping? That's the big thing. So the the KJ Wright play you mentioned that's from that's from twenty twenty of week eleven, Thursday night football. That's when Kyler does try to break contain again. KJ squares up, make sure he, when Kyler does all that dancing, he doesn't fall for it. And I think Kyler just ends up falling to the ground again because um, Kyler actually protects himself pretty well for a little guy uh, who who runs a lot. So I think that's those are the, those are two plays right there. The Rasheed one, maybe I can find the Rasheed one, and the KJ ones. I think people remember because I think it was like fourth down, like those plays right there. You got to be able to do that on top of rushing the passer, or you just won't play. That's Fair that, that that that's pretty much it. So like I think people who watch the Seahawks enough are like, man, Alden Robinson should play more, and it's like,
2: hmm, he can't do everything they need His him to do. Unfortunately. He's
1: not playing more, and Daryl Taylor is playing more, and some other guys are playing more. So, like, I, I like both picks again. Two guys I would have I would have mocked way there, just didn't think he'd be there. I mocked Tyreek there, like for a reason. I think they both fit, quote unquote. One guy's going to take a little longer to fit than the other, kind of like Tyreek and uh, and Kobe Bryant. Same thing. Two good picks, two different type of players, two guys who have different paths to making an impact. Whereas I think Tyreek, Tyreek and Tariq maybe won't make a real hard impact till year two. I think Boye and Kobe have a potential to make year one impact.
2: Mm. Positive sign. Let's give a round of applause for that Seahawks draft. They did take some receivers as well. We'll leave them out. We'll just mention them. It was Bo Melton out of Barbece out of Rutgers and so how you say his name again, Mr. Young out of Lenore Ryan?
1: Yeah, derek Young.
2: Derek Young. That's a that's who they got in the seventh round. So
1: Derek who's a big boy, man. Six, I think six 220. He's not little. No, he's looking DK in the eyes, man. And like, <laughs> no, they probably wearing the same shirt size and everything. There were some big boys. I will I will say this about just the receiver thing, real quick. They they needed a slot receiver, which is what Bo is or can be. I really just think it's been important for a few years now. And I thought about that. I liked the D. Eskridge pick, which I probably said last on last year's pod. I liked it. Um, but it didn't answer the slot receiver problem. Um, I thought it would move Tyler Moore into the slot, and it didn't. So that actually wasn't helpful. They really need a slot guy. Like Seahawks fans have been following for a little bit. What John Ursua, what we thought he was going to be, they still need that. <laughs> well,
2: hell, They remember they brought him Philip Dorsett, and he just didn't play the nah, whole season.
1: He wasn't going to be that either. Though. Like, there's a there's a twitchiness and oh, yeah. we in named yards after catch too.
2: We named a bunch of guys that the Seahawks should probably look at during free agency. What was it? Two years ago, last year?
1: But yeah, they, they they need they need that that twitchiness like a like a Doug John Arsua, You know, some other guys in the league. Cooper Cup, um, Cole Beasley has that same twitchiness. I'm trying to think, just more like really good. Like underneath guys, which are really helpful when you go when you have those two two high coverages. Like if you can just get underneath real fast, that's what you need. That's what Russell really needed. He needed it, and he needed somebody to throw it to. He needed both things. Um, So I think Bo could potentially be that. Once you get in the seventh round, like unless these dudes kick ass in camp, it's really hard to like really have an impact. Like so, who knows? But I do think Bo specifically fills a need that they still have. Like I know the coaching staff thinks that. Like, I know they think they need slot guys still. Um, I, they like Freddie Swain. They like Penny Hart. Um, who, I don't even know who else they got. Uh, but they like those guys too. Aaron Cody Fuller. Thompson. Yeah, Cody. They like these guys. But they, it's still a position of need. They still need yeah. it. And Bo, Bo is right in the mix with that. You know, I think it's more likely that an Aaron Fuller makes the team than a Bo Melton. But, like, again, that's another position of need. I can't get mad at you taking that in the seventh round. And derek he's picked 233. The odds of him making the team are real low, but good for him. He gets that shot. And like I say, big as hell. Big yeah. as hell. Just see how fat, uh, how well he can move at that size. Because like Jazz Ferguson was big as hell too. I don't know if people remember him from the 2019 undrafted class. He had, he had a great
2: team. mock game.
1: Yeah, and he had, a, I think he played well in a preseason game too. Um, just didn't move super well for a guy that big, which is why I don't think he's in the league anymore. Hopefully Derek Kid moves a little better um got hurt a lot i think or just had like an mcl sprain this is why he only played a few games last year but uh tested tested pretty well so um, i am excited to see him i like big i like big receivers and feisty corners those are kind of like my two things that i like to see the most so yeah i, I like i like the whole class man i like the ken walker pick too like i liked nine guys the seahawks took that's kind of crazy
2: well it's time to get crazy let's see phase one underway well underway getting ready for phase two next thing you know we'll be doing training camp and then it's starts again new season
1: yeah and we're, we're, huge
2: yeah i get get my hundred dollars or two when drew lock get that first snap under center
1: can't yeah, wait it, okay. last thing last thing real quick because you mentioned the quarterback so we do have that bet going we made it on on the radio last um, but week. yeah Mitch should reference it here chris thinks drew lock will be the week one starter i think it'll be geno smith hundred bucks to the to the guy who's right. If it's if it's neither guy then you know the, the bet's are but <laughs> right. I will I will say one thing that's interesting about the quarterbacks, right? I think as time has gone on over the offseason and there hasn't been any games, people have talked themselves more into Drew Locke and Geno Smith than I think they would have if there was like one month in between trading Russ and the first game. I think the time that has elapsed has given people oh you know drew might not be that bad whereas like i know how people felt about (laughs) drew prior to him joining the team the day he joined the team is now with them same people being like oh actually i don't know all he needs to do is just like all right guys like your opinion didn't change without no games being played i don't know what it's i think it's just it's 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 narrative it's just like pete and john have like fed enough info, positive info, positive reports, positive affirmations, whatever, and it's kind of shifted the minds of people, which is fine, whatever. They're supposed to sell hope. They're on the team. Whereas I'm like, mm, I've been watching the tape. I've been talking to people who know more about the tape than me, and it's just like no, none of those people's positions changed, which makes more sense to me. So uh, we'll see. I just think that's kind of funny. As more people that time have gone on and talked themselves into – to Drew in particular, not Geno's as but as they talk themselves into Drew. And I'm just like, what changed? What did you guys learn? It's like, oh yeah, no, nah, we'd be all right. It's a kind of a kind of an interesting kind of narrative switch there. I've kind of been on the same thing the whole time. Like the things that he wasn't good at in college, still wasn't good at in the pros. The things that he was good at in college has been okay at, you know, in the pros. So I guess I here's my one more one more thing. Sorry, I said this. All right, I got one last thing on the quarterbacks. I think, and this is a take that I I imagine will never be a cold take, like it'll never age poorly. My thing on Geno and Drew is for them to be the quarterbacks that lead the Seahawks to where they, where they want to go, because so I think part of this is that people don't care whether the quarterbacks aren't good this year because of the 2023 class. I think that's silly. You should never go into any season in the NFL being okay with your quarterback position not being great. That's just stupid if you're trying to win a championship. I don't know why you would why you would think that or be okay with that. It's just the most important position in, in, in football. But I think that that's part of it. The other thing is for them to lead the Seahawks to where they want to go, where the team wants to go. They would have to be drastically different versions of who they have already been. Like they would have to turn into unrecognizable versions of themselves. It wouldn't just be correct a thing here or there. It would be like no, no, no. Drew's anticipation and accuracy would have to Jump into like another stratosphere, to be like, oh, okay, in a playoff game at Green Bay, he can he can lead us there, like to get to that point. That would be crazy. That would be a crazy jump. And the same thing with Gino, it'd have to be like, oh, you would have to be Mega Man, or what's the thing that they do in Dragon Ball Z? They turn into uh, they turn yellow and stuff.
2: Yeah, I know what you're saying. saying I don't it. know, I don't know what it's called
1: Super Saiyan. They have is. to go like Super Saiyan versions of themselves which is not impossible. We have seen actually not a ton of guys, but a few guys do it. Most recently, Josh Allen. But for the most part, it's very rare that someone just morphs into another version of themselves. Guys get better. That makes sense. But to just morph into a completely different version of yourself after you've already had a very, very poor showing over multiple starts, that's rare. That's why the Sam Darnold trade was stupid for the Panthers. They expected Sam to be a whole new guy. Nope. Same new guy. New York. Same guy. The Colts thought they could get Carson Wentz to be a totally new dude. Nope. Ass. Same Carson Wentz. Not even that he was ass. He was just the same guy. Frank Wright ass. thought he could turn him into a different guy. No, you're just getting a different version of the same guy. Same thing that, that, that Washington's going to get from Carson Wentz. He's not going to be any different than he was in in Philly and Indy. He's going to have his high moments and his low moments and won't string together enough high ones to get you to where you want to go. That's Carson Wentz. Same thing. When a team trades for Baker or Jimmy G, they're going to get the same versions of these dudes. Uh, Detroit traded for Jared Goff. They got the same Jared Goff that that Sean McVay got in year one. You know, it's like, ooh, this guy's rough. Like, quarterbacks don't change that much. Just, they just really, really don't. They can, you know, incrementally improve, but when you ask for a whole new dude, That's rare. Ryan Tannehill is not a different dude from Miami. He's the same guy. He had one outlier year, which was 2019, I think. think It was 2019 when he came in from Mariota, whatever year that was. He was a totally different guy. And he came right back down to earth. And the numbers started to look exactly the same as the ones in Miami. So I think that people got to keep that in mind. Quarterbacks don't just go somewhere, a new system and just become new. They can get better, Mm -hmm. but. To expect that they're just a new guy, which is what these two, Drew and Gina, would need to be to get them to a Super Bowl. Not just be capable. I'm talking win a division, be a championship-caliber team. They would need to be totally different dudes, and that's just that's, just thats a huge ask. You can't just be a new guy. You can be better than you were, but to be new, yeah, big ask. That's a good way to put that.
2: Well, on that note, we want to thank you guys for tapping in and listening to the Seahawks Man-to-Man podcast. If we don't have another episode dropping this week, which you probably won't. I mean, hell, we've been giving no, we you... Should.
1: We got Sam Gold coming on.
2: Oh, that's right. All right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we'll have Sam Gold sometime in May, early May, and then catch us on Saturday with The Hype, Chris and Mike, 93.3 KJR FM. Yeah, we cooking. Anything else you want to add, Mike?
1: Yeah, Sam scheduled for... A, you know what's funny? When I scheduled Sam, he was like, hey, man, remind me because I'll forget. Um, It's funny. You forgot, too.
2: Yeah, I did. Uh,
1: <laughs> we got Sam scheduled for... May 5th. May fourth, May fourth, six yeah. six o'clock Eastern, man. So t- hopefully you're not you didn't got anything scheduled. <laughs> that no, day.
2: I have nothing scheduled. I, I I think I have it in my notebook written down because I knew we scheduled it out. So I just forgot. But hey, we're all yeah, set. So,
1: yeah, we're good. We got we got Sam coming on, on on uh was that I think that's Tuesday or Wednesday. So
2: yeah, it'll we'll, be a fun one. Yeah,
1: we will catch okay. you guys
2: later. All right, we're out. Peace. Right
1: now, right now. You see, I for your mama, maybe you should smoke something, and you tried the right, I was loving you good, the Bible straight, shows you a couple of things, and they
2: finish I treated you right, everything was a gift, from a time to your